Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and I am happy to be here with you wherever you're at right now. Hopefully, somewhere good and warm and cozy and surrounded by people who love you. Yeah, it's cold outside. If, <laughs> it is cold outside, but it's not officially winter yet, we learned. Oh, when is it officially winter? 21st of December. That just seems Isn't so that wrong? Late. Yeah, that's wrong. We get together twice a week to chew on God's word and share that with you for your encouragement and edification, challenge, comfort, encouragement, admonishment. Am I missing any? Gosh. Yeah. What else could we throw in there? <laughs> blessing. Yeah. Blessing. Peace. Hope. Yeah. Joy. Thankfulness. <laughs> Long suffering. This is spiraling. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we have a very <laughs> special guest. What you got? What you got? Lay it on me. <laughs> Lolo Hiwa. <laughs> is in the house, everyone. <laughs> that is so unrecognizable. <laughs> it's getting more abstract. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> Part of the part of the the funny is you just bust up laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you crack yourself. Me a up. Special <laughs> amount of joy. I, for much of my life, have come to realize that if nothing else, I know that I will be laughing at me. <laughs> there you go. And that is enough. Yeah. And I think that I think there's a lesson in there that we can all learn. What's the worst that can happen? Nobody else laughs, and I laugh. Yeah, I'll still be there, laughing with me, alone. <laughs> <laughs> But with me. <laughs> so this week was a special week. You came fully prepared. I, yeah, right. <laughs> we didn't just sit in my office for 10 minutes trying yeah. to figure out what to talk about. Um, but you shared that you've been working on a project yeah. as a part of an extracurricular, which I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast. So why don't you oh, sure. explain to these people yeah. <laughs> what you're doing with all your free time? <laughs> with four kids yeah and, um yeah what have i been doing so one of the things that i have been doing is i've actually been taking one class up at multnomah university uh on the hebrew bible mm-hmm. specifically deuteronomy yeah and part of that is um part of the one of our assignments each person has been assigned a chapter out of deuteronomy and then they study it and they present for about an hour and a half Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so mine was Deuteronomy 12. And so now that we're, my last class is on December 14th. So I've already given my presentation. Now I'm writing a paper. And what grade did you get on the presentation? Mm-hmm. Um, she says that everybody at this point has gotten an A. Huh. She hadn't gotten your yours yet. Well, I mean, I haven't like received it. <laughs> I'm assuming I got an A. Well, um, we'll we'll let the masses judge. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you had Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12. Okay. Yeah. Give us the lay of the land. Yeah. Great. So <clears throat> Deuteronomy 1 through 11. Some commentators call it like the preamble. Okay. And and really, when you look at the book of Deuteronomy. I like to think of it like, um, so this is Moses's last message to the people, to the Israelite people before they go in mm-hmm. and they take the promised land, which you have the book of Joshua then, right? That, right. that which chronicles that um, the piece taking. of their history. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Deuteronomy, it, it feels like 
Moses is this pastor and he's given his last message and he's like pleading with the people to be obedient. And because if they're not obedient, then they're going to experience the discipline of Yahweh, which we know um, happened, (laughs) that they weren't obedient. And Moses was under that discipline (laughs) when he was writing this. He's suffering the consequences. Yeah, because he couldn't. Consequences were um, quite severe, Mm -hmm. you know. 586, 720, um, respectively, Israel um, and um, Judah mm-hmm. deported to Assyria and Babylon. Really not great. Not good. So they weren't obedient. You got the bunny song, though, out of it. Vegetales. <laughs> that is a bop. Yeah. <laughs> That's bunny. God's grace right there. The <laughs> <laughs> That's Romans 828. <laughs> Jesus reconciling all things to himself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> this is what happens when we're both really tired. I know, I know. I'm so uh, sorry, Jason. <laughs> I can't confidently claim that that was, in fact, Jesus reconciling <laughs> the slavery of God's people. Anyways, yeah. Um. So, uh, you have you have them not being obedient, but this. Um, and you kind of get these like foreshadowings that Moses knows that they're not going to be obedient. Yeah. Um, anywho. So he's like pleading with them to, to be obedient. So Deuteronomy one through 11 is kind of this preamble. And then you have 12 through 26 chapters, 12 through 26, which are detailing the laws, the Torah of Yahweh, the instruction of Yahweh, but it's different than the book of Leviticus. Leviticus has a lot of specifics. Like this is how you're going to do it. This is when you're going to do it. This is what it's going to look like to the nitty gritty. Deuteronomy is rhetorically way less concerned about the details Hmm. and more about like, please, for the love of God, (laughs) do this seriously. um, Or else you're going to experience consequences. So it's really interesting because in the book of Deuteronomy 12, you have this kind of like cyclical effect um, as it moves through in Moses's teaching, he says like, essentially like first step is like this kind of warning or exhortation, like do this. Um, and then it moves to the second piece, which is like talking about the name and the place, which are two key themes that appear within the book of, or the chapter of Deuteronomy 12, mm-hmm. the name being Yahweh's name. And then the place, um, the place where his name will be, will dwell mm-hmm. and will be inscribed um, the place where he'll put his name. And then the third piece, as you move through this cycle, is his instruction. So it's like, this is what the law looks like in kind of not more like generalized, right? Yeah. Not super specific. And then the fourth piece is like, rejoice and remember the blessings, right? So the, the whole cycle is rhetorical in the sense of, um, this is why you should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, both out of like, for, for fear and like reverence and respect because of what you don't, you'll be disciplined. Mm-hmm. But then also like there is a large part of the book of Deuteronomy that is like feast and enjoy and um, like rejoice in all that God has done. Yeah. Like our God is not a stoic God. Our God is um, very joyful and wants his people mm-hmm. to be joyful. And so that's Moses's, um, purpose um, is to to get them to be obedient, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. But so then, uh, Brett, Pastor Brett, preached on this last Sunday, 
on Joshua and um, Rahab. Yeah, and Rahab. Mm-hmm. But then um, maybe have that the the actions that take place in the book of Joshua, how they offend modern sensibilities, and primarily he used the two words, well, genocide, mm-hmm. and then what was what was the um, Gosh, there was another term. Oppression? No, no, no. It was a term that was coined by um, Hawkins, evidently, but I don't remember it because my brain is tired. (laughs) Anyways, point being is that, yeah, these passages are difficult when it talks about one nation wiping out another nation. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, our modern sensibilities, Mm -hmm. we, we... Can, we have like an intellectual elitism, I think, where we think mm-hmm. we're more sophisticated, we know better, we're morally better. So these these things in the past seem reprehensible. Mind you, I think we've got our own long laundry, laundry list of sins that we think are totally acceptable. But yeah. that's not even what's happening in Deuteronomy. This is instruction by God to accomplish a task yeah, for you, a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in Deuteronomy, well, so Deuteronomy seven, he talks a lot about you'll, you'll devote the people mm-hmm. and various things to it's this word Hamas, which is um, you'll, and it's the word translated as ban, which is interesting. And it's not quite as evocative as you'll devote them to destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do get this, kind of sense of like utter annihilation mm-hmm. and it is true in in ancient documents there was it's known that there's hyperbole and so like but just this idea it it is it is hard to reconcile um th- this taking place but what i find interesting is in deuteronomy 12 those three themes of the name which is yahweh's name mm-hmm the place, um, the place where he will put his name, and the the third thing, which is our response, I think touch on this whole idea because mm-hmm. when you in an ancient Near Eastern context, everybody had a deity. Every tribe, people group had a deity. You didn't really have agnostics or right. atheists. That wasn't an option. Everybody just assumed, mm-hmm. or as I understand, that deities. Um, we're real and yeah. existent. And so, but when you look at this phrase, um, which is in Deuteronomy, let's see if I can pull it up here. Uh, verse five and then verse 11. So I'll just read verse five and then I'll read verse seven out of sure. chapter 12. Um, but you shall seek the place. That's one of those important themes that the Lord, your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name. That's another theme and make his habitation there. And then in verse 11, um, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you. And that's the third theme, our response to it, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, um, so on and so forth. Okay, so these you have these three themes, right? Mm-hmm. The name, the place, and our response. Um, in that context, those things are actually... Um, are signs of ownership or victory. Mm-hmm. So when a, um, if, if like, if I own, okay, like toy story, this is a great example. The original? Any of them. Okay. 
on the bottom of Woody's foot, mm-hmm. what's inscribed on his on his foot? Andy. Andy. Everyone knows that. Everybody. That knows old that. man tried to paint over it. Hated that. He's a jerk. Yeah, I was like, get out of here, old man. Yeah. But that shows ownership. The same thing is going on here that when um, the Lord is commanding them to put his name in that place, mm-hmm. it's like a giant neon sign saying that Yahweh is the new king. Yeah. The new sheriff, the new owner. And so when, but here's, here's my point, and this is how it relates to what Pastor Brett was talking about. Because everybody had their deity, um, which was like a geographic control of a geographic place Mm -hmm. when two people groups went to war it wasn't just the people groups but it was also their deities sure so then in an ancient near eastern context how do you how does a god show his power and might and authority well part of that is um when you go to war Mm -hmm. i'm gonna win right victory right which I find very interesting. And so then when you have, so you're saying, so God is, they're coming into this promised land and the place, and there's a lot of speculation, scholarly speculation about where that place is, Mm -hmm. where his name will dwell. Um, I think it's Mount Ebal and Mount Ebal um, was a very, was one of the higher mountains um, in the Sumerian region and where everybody would have been able to see this monument to Yahweh with his name, you know, inscribed there so it's god saying i am now in control of this promised land Mm -hmm. and so then when they go to war with these with these peoples this is one of the reasons why they're going to be victorious because this is how you show your authority and your power yeah and i think it's important to i mean i can't help but be really uh, accosted by this idea when we we are almost inclined to make little of the wickedness of man because these were pagans. They were enemies of God. They were worshiping false gods, um, demonic presences, whatever possibly. Yeah. But um, so mm-hmm. he's rolling, he's, he's telling them, Hey, we're going to roll up in this mm-hmm. bad part of town and I'm going to, I'm going to be the top dog in there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you guys are going to be successful for that purpose yeah. in a, in this hostile environment where they would not have, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't have been like, oh, Yahweh, yes, let's add one more. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll carve out a little bit of our land for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, yeah, because at the end of Deuteronomy 12, um, verse 31, uh, or verse, I'll actually back up, um, in certain first, the second half of verse 30, it says, how did these nations serve their gods? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, which is talking about the way mm-hmm. that the Canaanites worshiped. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods, Yeah, which is literally, you'd have... Moloch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd have... And he was like... Um, well, was he like... He looked like a... Kind of like a cow, but then they... And he had a furnace in his belly, and then um, his arms would be outstretched, and it'd be like a tray. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty gross and graphic, but so then he would get super hot, and then the tray would be like molten, right? Yeah. Just, and then they would lay their children on it. Yeah. Um, Abominable. Yep. And um, at least that's what I've heard, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless, they're sacrificing children. And so it can be easy for us. Um, 
I think there's two cautions here. For one, it could be easy for us to think that that um, that they were completely fine people. That they did nothing. Yeah wrong it's real nice et cetera, people et served society <laughs> yeah um but from what we know from scripture that wasn't necessarily the case mm-hmm. so then we can look at this almost like a policing action right mm-hmm. um by god and you know you have rahab and um and she turns from the deeds that she was doing to follow yahweh mm-hmm. so it's not like i mean obviously we've all done stuff right so god is not opposed <laughs> certainly yeah. he's not just there to save the righteous in fact he's here to save everybody mm-hmm. who is unrighteous yeah he desires mercy yeah so that's like the one thing that i think we need to balance is that yeah they weren't just completely okay people mm-hmm. they were doing really bad things supposedly but the second balance is like um we can't just be like ah yeah they were horrible people so they deserved it mm-hmm. like yeah we need to reconcile the fact that that was an okay thing for that time and that God commanded that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're honest, like that's that's something that I've had to wrestle with with God's character of like, yeah, like as a Christian and a follower of Jesus and which they're not the Old Testament God and the New Testament God are the same. Right. And so there needs to be some thoughtful recognition and acceptance and integration mm-hmm. of these two concepts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah, we can't abandon the Old Testament because it's gritty mm-hmm. and because God is doing things that are, uh, they, they're different than the New Testament, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think, I don't know, mayhaps, Lou, mayhaps, let me use a big old blanket statement here. Mm-hmm. Mayhaps it's oversimplifying to say, um, this is simply God's prerogative. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. <laughs> However, I, I simply can't shake it. I, I think that um, God distributes mercy where he desires to distribute, distribute mercy. It's not a, a, a compelled behavior. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so sometimes I think I start on the other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. where I go, okay, God, God is in charge. He is sovereign. I know that his desire is mercy. I know his desire is reconcilia- reconciliation, mm-hmm. but I've seen too much evil in the world mm-hmm. to know that if I don't serve a just God who is holy, who distributes wrath as his perfect wisdom sees fit, um, then he's he's an, a nice guy, mm-hmm. you know, who mm-hmm. can't do anything about the evil in the world. Mm-hmm. So I view these these things in the old Testament, they don't trouble me at all. And I know that's not, that's not like a flex or anything. Yeah. Um, but I do know that for a lot of people, these really are upsetting mm-hmm. things to think about because we're in mm-hmm. is unappealing. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not unappealing, then <laughs> there are a couple of hotlines you can get a hold of, yeah. um, go play some call of duty. But, but if you realize the why and the how sometimes those things become, they start to make sense in your head, mm-hmm. which is what you're doing with Deuteronomy 12. Yeah. And I think part of just my own journey has been recognizing that like this does offend my modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And then um, maybe not just ignoring that, but then going to God and um, like having a conversation. Yeah. And I think God wants me to be honest, like, mm-hmm. 
God, I don't know why you would command this. And yeah. uh, I don't like this part of the Bible. Right. And it's not me ignoring it, but it's me being honest about my frustrations with mm-hmm. it. And and then not stopping there, but trying to study and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Wrestling with, and I think it's wrestling with God. Yeah. Um, uh, through that, that kind of stuff. And so, and that's caused a deepening in my relationship with him. Yeah. Um, being honest. And, you know, um, then um, I think the story of Jonah mm-hmm. is a great um, opposition to this or like, um, you know, whatever it, because you have the Ninevites mm-hmm. who weren't a people who worship Yahweh. Nope. And probably did some detestable things. Mm-hmm. Um, and God sends Jonah, forces Jonah mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. Who's a disobedient knucklehead. Who does it so reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole city um, repents. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, you know, firmly believe that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And so, mm-hmm. so you, Sometimes, and I and I love this because it it for, it helps me to realize like sometimes we can have these like nice black and white boxes yeah and demarcation trimmed edges clean everything looks good yeah but that's not like I, the Old Testament is great for this because that's not what mm-hmm. you see happening and it yeah. and it forces you to wrestle with a person rather than just put an idea in a box concept mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that that is a necessary ingredient for all of us to deepen our faith. Yeah. And and that's going to be a challenge for anyone because nobody has mm-hmm. mastery over God, you know, for yeah. For me there are plenty of things that challenge me mm-hmm. that are different than mm-hmm. than this, but Yeah. But I think looking at it and really not settling to mm-hmm. to just reject it or ignore it, going I'm not dealing with that. Mm-hmm. That's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um and really because it, it it sounds like, and speak to this if if I'm wrong or off base, but it sounds like through a deeper investigation mm-hmm. into God's word and partner with prayer mm-hmm. and meditation that, that that has actually revealed to you, this is why God did these things. Because mm-hmm. it was a, a means of making himself known mm-hmm. to showing his true character and glory, which is a necess- necessary component of human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so he came in and he conquered mm-hmm. with his people to establish yeah. himself that that through investigation in God's word that you you came to a better understanding of. Yeah. And I, well, and I, I don't think it's given me like the answer or the answers, but it's provided Who has the answers, you guys, <laughs> but it's provided <laughs> a answer. And I think more importantly is that it's caused a deepening of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, then the next question is, well, why did he have to, for lack of a better word, submit himself to the cultural appropriations of that time? Mm-hmm. And you know, so the, so that it that answer creates other questions. Yeah, but um, and I think the book of Proverbs talks about this. You, it it's it takes work to gain understanding. Mm-hmm. So part of it is just I think gaining deeper understanding. But it's not like I'm emotionally totally fine with it. Yeah. You know? Um. You know, and then going back to the we were talking about 
God being black and white, we put him in this kind of box kind of stuff. You have the same thing with the book of Job because that's mm-hmm. how Job's friends right. treat God. Right. If I put a, if I poured a quarter in, aka if I do good deeds, mm-hmm. pull the lever, then God will give me blessings. Yeah. And the book of Job is wisdom literature in that it's like God does not operate like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is a person and his ways are higher than ours. He doesn't owe us a thing. Yeah. Um, and he wants you to engage with him as a person, mm-hmm. not as a vending machine or a machine or a robot. Yeah. You know? Um, and what I love about that story is that he never, all he offers Job is himself. Mm-hmm. He never offers Job an answer mm-hmm. as to any of that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that, um, I think that that is incredible f- message of hope for those who are suffering is that God offers himself. And when I, when I think about those things, I'm so pleased and so filled with hope knowing that that God, the God who doesn't have to is the God who desires self-revelation. He is the God who desires to be known. And so he mm-hmm. reveals himself. So yeah. it's like, yeah, he is the God whose ways are so far above our ways. Yeah. Um, you know, he is the God who works the clay and we can't turn back and yeah. argue with him about it. Yeah. And yet he's also the God who loves us and revealed himself to us and is merciful and yeah. kind. So, well, and the old Testament is, I mean, yes, the old Testament points us to Jesus. That is true. Mm-hmm. But the old Testament also stands as the old Testament. Like there is inherent meaning and value in the old Testament apart from its fulfillment in the new Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's, and what is the, the point of the Old Testament? It's to reveal God's character. Right. And and to wrestle with that character. And so God is revealing himself through events and mm-hmm. through the timeline of the Israelites. And and this is who he is. And he reveals himself in story yeah. and narrative and poetry and and covenants. Yeah. And and mercy, you know, not wiping Israel out. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so then wisdom is like, okay, how do I, how do I approach that God? How do I deal with him in his, in his character? And it's not always just like super clear, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have to wrestle with it. And so anyways, um, yeah, that's, that's my presentations. (laughs) Deuteronomy 12, but there you go. Thanks for coming to my TED talk, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was encouraging to me. Good. Thanks. I can't speak for the listener. They're not here to be fairly represented. I don't want to slander them, but at least for me, (laughs) I enjoyed it. And listener, hopefully you were encouraged too. These are hard topics. This is challenging stuff to wrestle with. And they are talking points of our culture about whether or not God of the Old Testament is different than God of the New Testament or God's just a bully. Um, These are talking points that we have to handle by some sincere people and some not sincere sincere people. But nevertheless, anytime we seek to investigate and, and draw closer to God through his word, we are going to be blessed by that. And part of that is through very practical ways that apply to our lives directly. So do not hesitate. Do not ignore the challenging parts of being a Christian or, mm-hmm. or investigating Yahweh and in Christ and his plan for redemption for us. Mm-hmm. Right, Lou? Right. And then we high five. Ha! <laughs> All right, listener, we will get you on the next episode. Bye. 
Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.